This week on Munchkinland, we're going to Gen Con again. Hi everyone, it is Steven Schleicher, and this week on the Munchkin Minute, we are going to talk about Gen Con, and uh, we're joined by Samantha Nelson. Hey Sam! Hey, how's it going? Good. Sam, uh, many of you know from our other show, Critical Hit, and uh, also joining us this week, of course, is Brian. Hello. Brian's always here for Munchkinland. <laughs> and uh, Sam, you just got back from Gen Con, so I thought we would take some time today to go over just some things, some highlights of things that you saw, some highlights of things that we saw, and just kind of give a wrap-up of what we thought of the overall uh, gaming convention. So let me just ask you, did you think attendance was up or down this year compared to years past? Oh, I mean, it was definitely up. It goes up every single year. And uh, I don't think this year was any exception. I believe last year they said um, that 69,000 people showed up. And this year the estimate was 75,000. So wow. it just continues to become just utterly take over the city of Indianapolis for four to five days. Now, then, because one of the nice things about Gen Con is not only are the companies there to show you what new games and tell you what new games they have, they also have uh, demos. The The demos are probably the biggest thing that's going on. Did the crowds hinder you, your access to a lot of games, or, or was it fairly easy to get access to, to some of the new big announced games? Well, so that's the the thing, is that uh, if you want to sit down for some of the big announced games, uh, you have to get there, like, to be there at 10 a.m. when the hall opens, and then aggressively push your way through. <laughs> uh, there were some places that were taking appointments that were booked up as of Thursday when the con opened, uh, and you could wait around for an hour to play some of the, the bigger release games. So, oh, unfortunately, really? I didn't get to play uh, some of the things that were really exciting, but I well, the other good thing about Gen Con is that it's a huge, huge hall, mm -hmm. and so you can always just wander around and find lots of um, indie games, brand new games, things you hadn't heard of, and a lot of them are really fun. Now, what do you think were, just from your observations, what were the big games that everyone was super interested in? So, Seafall, uh, I was very interested in that, and... Uh, from what I have heard, it sold mm. out within the first 10 minutes of the convention hall opening because Gen Con sells a few passes for what they call very important gamers. Mm -hmm. It's like a kind of a VIP class. You pay a premium. And one of the big perks of it is you get into the hall a little bit early. And apparently, um, I believe the VA very important gamers bought literally all of the copies of Seafall before anyone else had a chance to even wow. try the game. So what is Seafall about? Do you, do you know about this, Brian? Yeah, it's a new legacy board game, uh, basically designed by like the uh, guy that was ahead of both Risk Legacy and Pandemic Legacy. Ah, okay. Uh, so it's a Age of Cell exploration, uh, basically a Florex game. Was that explore, exploit? I forget what the other two X's are. <laughs> uh, Exterminate. So probably. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, basically you start out with a mostly empty sea map and you have uh -huh. stickers for islands to put into hexes as you go oh, based on dice rolls. And yeah, you kind of build your continent and try to become the uh, king of this empire. Well, certainly with the pandemic uh, one where you're putting the stickers down on your board and then they mm -hmm. had the season two, those are super popular. So I could see if this is the same creator behind mm -hmm. that that this would be something people would flood into. So was their booth, Sam, just basically empty? Or were people like, were people upset that they weren't able to get a hold of the game? Or what's the deal there? Well, um, Plathead Games, the uh, the makers of Seafall, 
Pitfall, uh, also make uh, Dead, Dead of Winter. Of Winter. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a, another very popular game. And they were also selling an expansion to Dead of Winter. Mm-hmm. So that was a lot more accessible. Um, and something I did, I didn't get to demo it, though a friend of mine bought it. And uh, one of the great things about Gen Con is basically every single square inch of the city becomes open gaming space after the hall closes. Uh, you you see people popping up and playing board games in restaurants, uh-huh. in their hotel lobbies, at on the floor of the convention center all hours of the night. So um, we didn't get to try some of the new elements of uh, – it's called Dead of Winter, The Long Night. Uh, but they look really exciting. I'm hoping to try them soon. They uh, add a lot of complexity. I don't know. If, are, have either of you played Dead of Winter? No, I own it and never got the opportunity to play it. And, oh, you should remember uh, that. It's a great game. I try. I even had Rodrigo <laughs> set down once and just partially going through the rules and we got to junk manager. He's like, nope, I'm out. It's a really cool little um, kind of zombie horror survival game. Uh, it's got like a little bit of a soap opera aspect to it. And each, each player's characters have their own backstory and personalities and things that come up. Um, and the new expansion adds up. Uh, some other good post-apocalyptic elements. So there's a bandit camp where you'll sometimes get raided by bandits. And then there's also a um, evil corporation with super zombies. Uh, So I didn't play with either of those to see what the the balance or the mechanics changes were like, but uh, I look forward to trying them later. Cool. Uh, you'd mentioned Pandemic a little bit ago. There's mm-hmm. another game that was announced that Brad had uh, put in some of our show notes saying, hey, guys, if you get a chance to check this out, Pandemic Reign of Cthulhu, where basically it's Pandemic and the basic Pandemic game, but instead of fighting zombies and whatnot, you're fighting 10 great old ones in this game, trying to stop them before they take over the world. Um, it says it's a two to four player game, about 40 minutes uh, for each play. Uh, did you see anything about that, Sam? And I know yeah, you were super busy, but tables devoted to it. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, you know, Z-Man's uh, booth always does really well. It was they were basically mostly playing that, and then this other game, uh, whose I want to say it's called Junk Art, which looked like a really neat game too. Oh, cool. It was like a very like Jenga-like uh, physical kinetic game. Hmm. Honestly, like I I I was curious about Pandemic uh, Reign of Cthulhu, but. I if I want to play that scenario, I already have Eldritch Horror, right, so true. I just it couldn't really uh, that didn't really appeal to me that much. Though I did play a different uh, Cthulhu focused game. Oh, um, I would definitely want to hear about this because I am a um, uh, Kickstarter backer of Cthulhu the deck building game. Oh, I didn't even realize that. Well, yeah. It was- Really nice. neat. Um, they also the the Wyvern Gaming. They did a great job with their booth. Uh, I talked to the designer a little bit while I was there, and apparently they uh, Gen Con offered to like rent them a booth for ten thousand oh dollars. He's my. like, uh, how about I just spend lots and lots of my time and fifteen hundred dollars and build a booth that looks better than any of the other booths <laughs> at the con? Like it was gorgeous. Like this whole like dark wood, rustic, you know, very almost like like Victorian era decor. Oh, very cool. Uh, and then I got to sit down and play this game, which was, um, have you played Ascension at all? I have not. Have you uh, played that? A bit. Uh, just on the app online. Yeah. The, all right. Yeah. So, um, you know, Ascension's a, a deck building game. And uh, one of the, mm-hmm. the things that's a little different from uh, – well, I guess one of the things that's different, very much different about Cthulhu the deck building game, unlike most deck building games I've played, is that it's fully collaborative rather than competitive. Oh, nice. Right, um, right. And uh, like Ascension, though, you have different cards that are going to be in the center, um, and some of them are 
are items that you can buy with Moxie, which is your your resource of choice. And then uh, nice. there are also enemies uh, that are basically monsters spawned by the deep old one uh, or great old one that you're fighting. And then you have to fight them every round or they do awful, awful things to you. And then there are various mythos cars that are like kind of area of effect things and then environmental effects that do things like uh, increase the effectiveness of your spells, which is sort of a good thing, sort of a bad thing, since obviously most of your spells cost sanity as well as producing some effect. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I really liked about it is that there seem to be a lot of different um, characters and a lot of different great old ones and uh, a lot of customizability for upping the difficulty. So you can just either add in extra great old ones or have extra mythos cards played every turn uh, so you can really kind of customize it to whatever your gaming group is up for. Now, I know these guys have been busy since about mid-July. They said that's when everything was being shipped out to their distribution centers and everything, and or at least was on the boat to the distribution centers. Uh, and then I figured they were probably very busy with Gen Con, but had they given any updates on when this was shipping or if any other gaming company had picked up uh, any interest in this uh, Cthulhu the deck building game? Uh, yes, they did, actually. They said that they're currently in talks to be uh, purchased by Asmodee. Excellent. So that would be uh, pretty huge for them. Yeah. Uh, they were cer- currently selling the game only at Gen Con, and, but they said that they're hoping to work things out with Asmodee to do a larger distribution. Well, nice. I hope so. I can't wait to get this. I, like I said, this was, oh, I don't know, Brian, maybe back in January when this mm-hmm. kicked off, and it was a time where if there was a, it was right around the same time we were playing all the other Cthulhu games oh, with, with Brad, and this popped up, and I was like, it's a deck-building game. Deck-building games are super popular, so mm-hmm. therefore, I better grab onto this now <laughs> because it's combining two of my favorite things, deck-building games and um, Cthulhu together, and we get this. Now, there were a couple, <laughs> you know, uh, maybe one of our favorite deck-building games here at Major Spoilers is the uh, Legendary series, Legendary, the, the Marvel yes. Legendary stuff. And there are uh, two Legendary games that have been announced, and I believe they were demoed at a Gen Con, both from Upper Deck. Legendary Big Trouble in Little China, which mm-hmm. I'm dying to get my hands on this. It's supposed <laughs> to come out in August, sometime this month. Yeah. Any, I immediately thought of you when I saw that. <laughs> any yeah. any updates from, from uh, Upper Deck at all, Sam? Do you know? Uh, you know, honestly, I didn't see them at all. Okay. I didn't get over to their booth at all during the con. And the, uh, go ahead. I did see one announcement of a Legendary game coming out next year. Which is? Buffy. Oh, oh yeah, Legend- that's right. Legendary Buffy the Vampire Slayer. There's yes. also Legendary Encounters, the Firefly, Firefly. deck building so game. They're getting the weed and all up in there. <laughs> We're getting the weed and all up in there. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm just super excited about both these games. Apparently, the uh, Firefly and Big Trouble in Little China are both supposed to drop in August this month of 2016. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm hoping that we can get those uh, fairly soon. But I'm guessing this, Sam, was probably one of the booths that was packed <laughs> with uh, people that you couldn't get uh couldn't get in to do any demos on. Oh yeah, like I said, I mean basically everywhere you if you I guess if you had more persistence but it, it's it's 4 days seems like a lot of time and mm-hmm. yet the limiting factor is definitely time versus games. Well, for me it's like if there's a big and this is my problem when I went to the San Diego Comic-Con is that yes, I really want that little Lego exclusive that they're giving away, but I'm not going to wait 3 hours in line for that little exclusive. 20 minutes, 30 minutes, maybe. But -hmm. anything that goes longer than that, and especially, as you said, if you've got four-plus days of gaming that you want to do, and there's a, hey, we're taking appointments for Sunday... Yeah, and yeah. it's Thursday. Then that's something. that's like, well, sorry, I'm not going to be able to play your game. But if you have any, uh, you know, print material or something you'd like to give, then I'll certainly take that. Yeah, absolutely. And even when you think about it, it's like 
20 minutes, 30 minutes doesn't sound like a lot of time to, but when you could be standing around waiting to sit down at a table, or you could literally walk around the corner and mm-hmm. play a whole game in that amount mm-hmm. of time. Yeah, exactly. I, I definitely played some games that were just like, here's a 15 minute demo. And I was like, wow, that was great. I'm really happy I played that as opposed to standing around waiting for something else. Well, that's, that's one of the nice things about like um, Love Letter. It's like a super mm-hmm. fast, quick game. Uh, so what were the, the super fast, quick games that you were able to play? Uh, so a few, um, one, one that I played that was really fun, um, was called Goblin's Breakfast. Um, it was just released at Gen Con. It was just a really cute game. Um, and again, super fast. Uh, basically it's the game. Everyone plays a goblin Uh and your goal is to, uh, be the biggest, strongest, toughest goblin you can. And to do that, you need to eat a lot of food, (laughs) but, um, Breakfast is a competitive sport in Goblin Dumb. So um, it, it reminded me a little bit of like almost like a Red Dragon Inn sort of scenario mm. um, in that you have uh, like a center deck uh, and then there's five cards that are flipped in the center at every turn. And on your turn, you can either um, use a card in front of you or take a card from the center. And so in the center, you'll have things that are like uh, food and each food is worth a certain amount of points at the end of the game, depending on how mm big or filling it is. <laughs> and then there's lots of weapons, which you can use to smack someone next to you to steal their food. <laughs> um, and then there's like special actions like gut punch, which is, is they make someone basically vomit up their food. So even if they'd already eaten their food, they have to put it in the discard pile uh, and lots of like goofy little elements like that. So really fast, really simple to learn. You could play with your kids. I think it would be a, a good opportunity for that. Oh, yeah, definitely sounds like a fun game. Do you know a release date or the company or pricing or anything like that? Uh, so it's got Midnight Campaign Games. I I don't, you know, they had the successful Kickstarter and they were releasing two different versions of the game. Um, one that was like the standard and uh, then there was a special fancy breakfast that included some uh, special bonuses they did from the uh, Kickstarter. I, they released it at Gen Con, so it should be somewhat generally available now, but oh, possibly pretty, in back order. That's pretty cool. Now, there were a lot of board games, too that were either announced or that people were demoed. Uh, some of the ones that I saw that look kind of interesting, Arkham Horror, um, is it's a card game. Yeah. But I think there's still a lot of uh, it's, chip components with it, too. Uh, it's a living card game, so okay. it's... I mean, they just oh, recently wait, so ended. This is, this is just... Wait, this is just the Cthulhu card game rebranded, right? No, because this is a com- cooperative game. Oh, as opposed to the competitive one your... that the Call of Cthulhu okay. living card game okay. was. So, is this look like anything fun, Brian? Is this have you had any time to go into depth on that at all? Uh, not too much in depth, but I am definitely interested. I uh, always been a fan of Arkham Horror and Eldritch Horror, and right, I right. got to play that a time or two. And uh so, yeah, I'm be interested to see how this works out. It apparently follows a, fi- a familiar scheme from the Lord of the Rings living oh, really? card game. Okay. Because that was also a cooperative game where you had to defeat like the story deck or whatever. Huh. Okay. So well, then I'm kind of interested in this uh, maybe a little bit more because when I first uh-huh. read it, I was like, this sounds like, and I, we wrote an article up, about it up on the major spoilers website. And I was like, this sounds exactly like the, the Call, Call of Cthulhu, Cthulhu card game that they just ended. That they just ended. <laughs> yes. And then they're bringing it back because there's a twist in that there is a story campaign mode yeah. into it. And so I didn't, I didn't know if anybody had a chance to see that, but I'm assuming that Sam, anything Cthulhu related uh, was probably a big deal or, or not. I mean, Cthulhu has been a big deal in uh, gaming probably for the last, I want to say maybe decade. Mm-hmm. Um, does it show any signs of dropping or anything <laughs> like that? Do you know? I mean, like I said, the, you know, uh, I, I wouldn't say so, seeing as 
Cthulhu the deck building game was being released at Gen Con and has already been, you know, getting picked up possibly. Right. Uh, and, you know, Z-Man was releasing their own Cthulhu games. So <laughs> I think as soon as long as there are people who love horror playing board games, people are going to want to be making new spins on that. Uh, you know, Fantasy Flight, they do a great job with with most of their games. So I uh, I had, didn't have a chance to try actually any of their new games at uh, the con, but um I'm looking forward to checking this out for sure. I love Arkham Horror. I love Eldritch mm-hmm. Horror. And I love their um, Game of Thrones living card game. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very interested in seeing more. The other one that I found very fascinating was also from uh, Fantasy Flight was uh, Doom. Doom the board game, mm-hmm. which um, kind of from what I look like is it's basically let's take the video game mm-hmm. and let's figure out how to make it into a board game format. Uh, and that is kind of building kind of a little bit like the uh, Dungeons and Dragons uh, game yeah. where you're building out your map as you go. This actually isn't the first time they've done Doom as a board game. Oh, really? And the old one was very similarly done. This does not look like a straight-up reprint. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dice seem different, so uh, they're taking the experiences that they've had, I assume, from making uh, Doom, which helped influence their descent, their dungeon crawl. Yeah, yeah. Uh, board game and then they also i believe reincorporated those mechanics into the uh gears of war board game as well mm. so uh this seems to be a new iteration on that but yeah it's largely you're running through a maze and blasting monsters and yeah you have tiles to actually build the map and yeah that's play cool from there. it looks cool i mean it's a, it's totally i guess it's kind of weird to try to wrap your head around going from a video game where you're blowing crap up <laughs> to going into a cooperative board game uh, like this but it should be it should be fun and interesting if i'm not mistaken they also announced a star trek um rpg game at uh, um at gen con or at least a few days before uh that was actually uh announced before that that's actually coming from uh modifius right games uh using the 2d20 system the system that they used for their conan and the mm-hmm. john carter of mars mm-hmm. rpgs apparently they were giving away miniatures you could get uh, uh, nice. either i think it was a spock or a, a kirk <laughs> miniature to go with it uh maybe mm-hmm. some exclusive stuff there uh sam what did you notice uh, what's another board game or what was another big popular game that people were just crowding around at the, at the show. Uh, you know, uh, I, I again didn't get to play this uh, myself, but I know that Scythe was a really another big, very mm. popular release. It's a um, uh, some friend of mine's got to play it and said like the flavor was amazing. It's basically 19, a alternate nineteen twenties war mechs in uh, Soviet Russia. I want to say so. It sounded totally insane. I know that was another popular one. And what uh, this is an RPG game? No, oh, no it's a board sorry, game. Oh, it's a board game. Uh, okay, board yeah. game. all right. Yeah. Because it just you said mafia and Russia and all this stuff, it's like what is this? What? No, yeah, it's uh, it's it's uh it's Warbacks. No, no, I didn't. Uh, and like it's kind of like a steampunk mecha. 19- oh, okay. Yeah, and it's like apparently like a resource gathering world or a community building kind of game. I understand. I mean, there you can fight your other people, but I don't know. I haven't looked in too much to it, so I'm not sure. Interesting, <laughs> but I believe farming's a big part of the mechanics. Interesting, Sam. What's a what's another game that you're playing? What what is Thieves Market? Oh, Thieves Market was really neat. Um, so it was by. Oh, I'm I'm having some echoing. Uh, you might be. Sorry. Oh, no worries. Just making sure. Sorry. Okay. Uh, it wasn't an issue. All right. So uh, Thieves Market is really neat. Uh, it's a dice game that was basically about being exactly the right amount of greedy, uh, <laughs> which is a fun kind of 
thing to try. Um, it's the the concept is that you're a bunch of thieves and uh, you're stealing things and then uh, trying to sell them at various pawnbrokers and things like that. Uh, so the the way it plays is that there's a pool of dice and every round uh, one person rolls the dice and puts them all in the center. And then each turn you get to pick a number of dice, like you can take any number of dice from the center as your dice, or you can steal all of someone else's dice and put one, at least one back in the center. Hmm. So the idea is if you're, there's say seven dice, you could roll all the dice if you're the first player and then steal all the dice from the center. Obviously no one's going to allow that because <laughs> then they won't have any dice. So then someone's just going to steal all your dice. So you want to have like a pool of dice that's in front of you that is good for what you want, but not so obviously appealing that everyone's going to try to steal it from you. <laughs> and and then each die has different symbols that are basically different kinds of resources, uh, different colored gems, which you can use to buy things that do special abilities. So one thing might let you convert, say, a red gem into gold, uh, which you can use as kind of a wild card gem. And then other things let you buy more than one card. And then the cards are worth victory points at the end of the game. So, uh, And then some of the dice are just worth victory points. So those are always very popular to steal out of the middle or steal from other people. Cool. Um, another game that I think we're also excited about here is uh, the new expansion for Smash Up. Mm -hmm. It's Smash Up, Cease, and Desist. <laughs> and we know what the four new factions are. Do you know what they mm -hmm. are, Brian? I know there's the Inglorious Ignobles, yep. the, uh, what do they call them, Space Knights. Uh, let's see, Astro Knights. Uh, the Changer Bots. Changer Bots and the Space Star Roamers. Star Roamers. So we get Star Trek, Star Wars, Transformers, and Game of Thrones <laughs> yes. in this next expansion, which is available, I want to say, now? For some reason, I want to say it's uh, out either now or coming out in September. Uh, so I'm pretty excited about that. That will be a lot of fun. And I'm sure a lot of people were crowding around it because uh, I know it was for sale up at, uh, <laughs> at Gen Con. So a lot of people were probably uh, crowded around, uh, what is that, AEG's booth. Yeah. And um, also there was maybe a little news about the video game of Smash Up, the iPad version coming out soon. Yeah, yeah, I heard that too. I uh, looked into that. No, but uh, that is something that I'm looking forward to. And uh, Sam, what about, um, what's another game that just seemed too crowded to get, get access to? Uh, so one game I really wanted to play, but I could never find a spot at, was uh, the new uh, Path. Oh, no. Um, I love the Pathfinder Adventure card game. I played through all of uh, both the original Rise of the Green Lords and... Mm -hmm. And we're actually in the midst of a uh, Wrath of the Righteous campaign currently. Uh, and I think it's a it's a great game. And each time they seem to like learn from it and add in new mechanics and very interesting characters. And uh, so I was very curious to see what they do with Mummy's Mask. But I wait until October. Uh, October for that. And, it, and that is what, the horror adventure one? Uh, Mummy's Mask is actually sort of a ancient Egypt oh, theme. Okay. Hmm. Uh, so, um, although I believe that there is some horror uh, 
themes to it. I, I'm not exactly sure. I mean, I'm worried that if I start guessing, I'm going to mix it up with the <laughs> uh, Pathfinder role playing. Oh, that right. Okay. Playing. That's, that's yeah. what I, that's what I was flipped around on because yeah, there is the, the card game, which I, I think oh, you cut yes. out a little bit on. And then there's the RPG, yes. which so is the horror is adventure. I did get to take a look at, which is hmm. the um, Pathfinder for the RP, their RPG released a, uh, a new book called horror adventures, which mm-hmm. is, uh, speaking of the popularity of Cthulhu in games, uh, basically their way to turn your Pathfinder game into a Call of Cthulhu game, uh, which is incredibly unsurprising since the pe- folks of Paizo have always been really fascinated by uh, mythos and elder horrors and uh, deep ones and things like that. Mm-hmm. So this is a way to actually produce um, systems for having your players lose their mind and slowly turn into <laughs> monsters. Oh, very cool. Yeah, man, I, I I think we need to play some Pathfinder at some point. <laughs> oh, I would love that. I actually played in a uh, a Pathfinder tournament at, at Gen Con, and it was mm-hmm. a oh, really? great time. This year? Yeah, th- well, I did it for the first time last year uh, with a crew of my friends, mm-hmm. um, and we uh, did it again this year and actually wound up winning the whole tournament. Really? So yeah. how, does, how does this work? I mean, how do you play Pathfinder and RPG in a competitive manner? The way it starts is that you have, um, in this case, it was 10 different groups of five players, and each of them sits down at a different table with a different DM, and they all run through the same exact scenario with the same exact five pre-generated characters. And then uh, you're kind of graded throughout uh, at the end of the scenario based on the goals that you had. So it's like, how well did you achieve each combat? How well did you do at every social situation or skill challenge? And um, you're ranked in terms of points for those. So if you like say someone dies in a combat, that's you lose points. <laughs> or if you uh, fail as key skill check, you lose points. Um, and the at the end of the game, then the each DM gets together and they also talk about how well everyone role played and what creative solutions people came up with for their various problems and vote on four teams to advance to the final round. And then uh, they play a second scenario with the same characters. And then uh, each they are ranked. Uh, so uh, the again, I've got, according to the same system. Wow! And did that take like a whole day to do that? Yeah, so each session was five hours. Wow! So okay, that was uh, a lot of my con, but uh, well worth it. Yeah. So you just went knowing that hey, one of these days is just going to be spent. Oh doing well, so this. it was five hours one day and five hours the other day. Oh, okay. Day, which okay. Was, also good for the DMs because it gave them some time to like tweak things that uh, needed to like our characters leveled up between uh, the first day and the second day. So they needed to like print out new character sheets to incorporate that. Now, Brad had asked some questions, uh, left some questions. He wasn't able to be here this week, but he was interested in how was the the um, game mastering this year? Was it done well? Uh, so I I only play in, in two different RPGs, which is a, well the Pathfinder uh, tournament, and then also this other insane uh, role playing game thing that I do every year called the Rising, uh-huh. <laughs> which is as far as I'm concerned one of the most fun things to do at Gen Con. <laughs> okay, which is um, zombie fighting buffer LARP. Wow, uh, LARPing. Which, yeah, I know. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's, I'm not. And, uh, <laughs> I, On trying- the hierarchy of nerd dumb, it is the absolute lowest. Everyone else should be able to make fun of me. No, 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 it's not. No I'm not. I didn't mean that to sound like I was making fun of you. It's just like, I mean, LARPing just seems like something that again takes up a lot of time, mm-hmm. uh, and you have to really kind of get ready for it in a number of different ways. I mean, you just don't show up in your street clothes. Um, yeah. Well, the good thing about this one is it's. it's 
there um, it, it, for the actual LARP. And you're right, you don't show up, show up in your street clothes, but you you kind of know what you're getting into, which is fighting some zombies. Uh-huh. So we always, we go back to our, like, we take some time, go back to our hotel rooms, change up and come because your armor, like your health levels for fighting zombies is determined by what you are actually wearing. Oh, so they'll okay. give you extra points if you show up in boots, you know, uh, wearing like a jacket, wearing pants, as opposed to if you're, you know, wearing the shorts and flip flops I wear most of the con. I, I just, I mean, I, it sounds super fascinating, exciting. It's yeah. just like when I when I think of conventions, I don't think of, and this is the thing that because I've not been to Gen Con, trying to wrap my head around, hey, I need to block out five hours on these two days so I can go play Pathfinder. Yes, there's a lot of other cool games over there going on, but I want to do Pathfinder, and then I'm going again specifically to do this LARPing event, and I'm guessing you've done this for a couple of years, right? Uh, this yeah. specific one, The Rising? Yeah, I've been doing The Rising since, I want to say, 2010. Wow, and, okay. And, uh, you know, my, my friends and I, we they, they you get to level up your characters every year you go, if you survive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, is this, only, is this only run at Gen Con, or is this some, uh, is this like the um, Vampire LARP where you have a national uh, database of players and their levels and everything? You know, so the, the group that runs this is based in, I want to say, Missouri. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they must run some local events there. But as far as I've looked into it, and there's no events anywhere near me for this. Mm-hmm. So it's it's definitely one of those only a Gen Con thing. And that's, that's a, one other thing that's great about Gen Con, uh, because as much as I might want to playtest games, uh, which I always do, there are certainly experiences that you can absolutely only do a Gen Con. And a lot of those are your kind of live action crazinesses and that take a lot of time and money and setup. Yeah, no, it sounds fascinating. I mean, there was, I was listening to one uh, person today, she was talking about, she went to Gen Con, didn't even get to the convention floor because she was too busy running around doing Pokemon Go the entire weekend. <laughs> there was a lot of that. So I, you know, I'm, I'm playing Pokemon Go. Um, most of my friends are playing Pokemon Go. And for whatever reason, downtown Indianapolis was like a all-you-can-eat Pokemon buffet. Oh, yeah. Like they were, ev- like the entire... Uh, city was just covered in Pokestops and rare Pokemon. And so like everywhere you looked, there were people catching Pokemon all weekend. And I'm sure any game store, video board, comic book store, I'm sure they were all throwing lures out trying to get people to come to their location. Uh, I mean, the entire city downtown area was basically lured. Like there were, you know, every, every hotel, every restaurant that was a Pokestop was lured almost the entire time. Are you a Pokemon Go or a Pokemon No? Oh, I'm a Pokemon Go. My son just got his first legendary this weekend. Um, what is it? The um, uh, Arachnine or whatever? Ar- Arcanine? Arcanine? Arcanine is what he got. So he was pretty nice. excited about getting that here. But oh, uh, wow. did you have time to do any Pokemon Go while you were there at the show? Yeah. I mean, the good thing about Pokemon Go is you could play it on the go. So I, yeah, you yeah. Know, <laughs> At I least hatch a lot of line. eggs, right? Huh? At least, at least hatch a lot of eggs running around yes, the show exactly. floor. Yeah. So yeah, I was hatching eggs. I was catching Pokemon while waiting for line at the food trucks, you know, to get some food or sitting, you know, sitting down to grab a drink or, you know, before I went to bed, that kind of thing. It's a nice little way to decompress. Very cool. Uh, Brian, how are you on Pokemon Go? Or are you a Pokemon no? Uh, I'm Pokemon meh. <laughs> Pokemon whenever I get around to it kind of thing. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, I just did it for the collecting. I've never even bothered to try to fight a gym. No, I haven't done that either. So, yeah. uh, what are, what was another game that you were excited about coming out of Gen Con, Brian? Oh, let me see here. There was uh, quite a few. Uh, I mean, I know uh, 
Yeah, we already mentioned. What is, what is Fallen Land? Fallen Lands. That's actually one I kind of just put on the list just to see if we could get any news about it because it is kickstarting right now. Oh, okay. And I have already went ahead and backed it there. Mm-hmm. And I just saw you know on their Facebook page that they are there at Gen Cons doing little demos uh, basically just of... Uh, yeah, you know, just showing you how the encounter system works because this is uh, a co- a competitive board game uh, set in like a post-apocalyptic uh, United States of America. Mm-hmm. Everyone has their own separate faction, and so it's a bit of a uh, non-symmetrical board game where you're trying to build up your community mm-hmm. and uh, trying to claim all the resources for your group. And so, yeah, you have to send your party out into the wasteland to try to explore and gather resources to increase the community and it it just seems neat and fun and fairly uh (laughs) quite uh uh or a fallout like but uh that sounds cool yeah i think it looks neat so uh i'm probably gonna get it and see hopefully if it's any fun well one game that i have been dying to find out more about i've seen a couple of the videos played there's a print and play that's Mm -hmm. a pretty light version of the game one deck dungeon was finally at gen con uh this is one put out by um Asmadi Games, I think it is, A-S-M-A-D-I. Not to be confused with Asmodi. No, no, (laughs) totally different because it's got an A instead of an O. Mm -hmm. Um, But they finally have pre-orders open on One Deck Dungeon, and Mm -hmm. I don't know if anyone saw this, uh, if they were even at the show, or uh, um, Sam, if this was even on your radar. I know I've Yeah, I saw Asmodi's booth, but I I actually didn't show up, like, visit there at all, so I couldn't have said anything. Yeah, I've been trying to convince these other guys that, man, this looks like a really cool (laughs) game, and they're like, we've never heard anything about this, Steve, and I'm sorry, and I'm like, looking all over for it, and and finally stumbling on it. name for the longest time. Because it kind of has, One Deck Dungeon sounds a lot like Boss Monster. Yeah. It sounds a lot like... like a Boss Monster and, like, Descent having a baby. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so So it was really hard to... You keep asking us about this game and just like, oh, you send it adventures through it and see how far they can go are you sure you're not talking about boss monster like i've got boss monster <laughs> but yeah it was because at number one it's it wasn't it was never heavily promoted and mm-hmm. i only stumbled across it in the middle of the night one night when this guy popped online on either twitch or uh, youtube live or something mm-hmm. where he was just up and he was demoing it and that's where i finally found out where they had the print and play and found the mm-hmm. the company website and everything it just sounds fascinating i'm, I'm very looking forward to that it's supposed to come out Sometime in the next month or so. It's a summer of 2016. Uh, Brian, your Kickstarter is not coming out till May of 2017. Yeah, it's going to be a while before it's actually in my grubby hands. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I am a fan of roguelike board games. So yeah, when you uh, get that, I'll definitely be willing to try it with you. Yep, I want to try it because <laughs> I think that one can be played with one or two people uh, okay. at, at the same time, not just a single person. Another one that looked like it was very popular was Batman Dice Game mm-hmm. from uh, Cryptozoic. Um, it's coming out in November of 2016. I don't know much about it except that it's a dice game and it features Batman. It kind of <laughs> looks like it kind of looks like, to be honest, it kind of has a feel like um, zombie dice. Or? Zombie dice, because you are the villains trying to escape and you're rolling dice, and depending on you know what Batman's or whatever that you roll. Um, your Batman's are counted like your gunshots. Mm-hmm. And if you get three of those, then you're out your turn. And I guess it's the first one who gets to a certain uh, level uh, uh. is is the winner of the game. At least that's what it kind of looks like from everything that I've seen so, and uh, looking at some of the dice and stuff. It's supposed to come out in November. 
it uh, it's from Cryptozoic and Steve Jackson Games, so it's um, it's definitely something that will be on my buy list. An interesting joint there. Yeah, just looking at the uh, page you link, it seems interesting because apparently you're trying to be a supervillain. Yeah, yeah. And just avoid the bat right. for as long as possible. Right. So yeah, so, so you would get like some, like some money dice, bags, so. or you'd get something else, and then the more bats you have, that's that's the <laughs> equivalent of your shotgun. So mm. it's a great concept if if they pull it off effectively. And I did see, of course, I follow Steve Jackson Games on on Twitter, SJ mm-hmm. Games. And there were a lot of pictures of that showing up all over from uh, from Gen Con. Um, Sam, did you have a chance? Did you ever see the Bill and Ted's Excellent Board Game? I didn't see that at all. Okay. Do you know anything about it, Brian? I know it's available mm-hmm. now. It's out now. It's got some weird mechanics where it's like you're shifting, depending on your dice roll, you're shifting your characters all over the board, backwards <laughs> and forwards and left and right. Nice. Um, I, I've seen a demo of it. I don't know if I was super thrilled by it or not. Um, but it, it looks interesting, I suppose, if you're a Bill and Ted, uh, fan or if you're a time travel fan, but it's certainly a, a kind of a weirdish board game as you try to collect all of these, um, these heroes through history, which are scattered on the, on the board game. And as you roll your dice, you're trying to maneuver so you can go and collect them in your phone booth. <laughs> Neat. Yeah. Um, uh, any word on the Munchkin CCG, Brian? Uh, I did not think that they actually had everything, anything going on at Gen Con. That's why I kind of put it there with a question mark. Uh, okay. Because I didn't think there was any new news there. I kind of checked out the game designer's Twitter to see if he was doing any demos or anything. Mm-hmm. But no, he's like a pretty big uh, freelancer. So he is demoing for all kinds of other games oh, okay. from other companies. Okay. And, uh, and we've been playing these Munchkin. We've been playing uh, the Marvel Munchkin game. Munchkin Marvel 2, the Mystic Mayhem pack, is supposed to be coming out. I don't know when that's coming out. It says it's a pre-order uh, available now, or pre-order now, but um, it says it was released at Gen Con, so I don't know if anybody was able to get their hands on that. We should have just sent you with a bunch of, <laughs> of money, Sam, to say, here, buy this for us, buy this for us. I mean, if you want to do that for me next year, I'm I will, I think I definitely will, because I should have just said, Sam, here's like $1,000. Here's all the games I want you to get. I will I will take you up on that. <laughs> I will get you two games. <laughs> yeah, that's probably right, right? $1,000 on only two games. Uh, what is Oceanos? Uh, so Oceanos was actually my favorite game that I played at the con. Um, it was just this really simple, really pretty um, game. You know, Yellow, they're they're mostly uh, known for their King of Tokyo series. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. Nice. Um, so this is a new game by them, um, and it sold out at the con. I mean, it's not actually going to be uh, generally available until fall. Oh. But I got to uh, I ha- play I, it. Hmm? I have seen this. I have seen this game. This looks yeah. like a lot of fun. It's, it was so fun, and the art is great. So basically, you're playing, um, each player has a submarine, mm-hmm. and they're trying to explore the depths uh, and look for sea creatures and treasure and coral uh, while trying to avoid the attention of a kraken. Huh. And uh, so it's kind of a, a bit of a drafting game, a little bit like, um, but then kind of a little like... Ticket to ride too, and that you're mm-hmm. laying out a line of things. So each turn you get a hand of a certain number of cards that depends on how much you've upgraded your submarine. As as upgrading oh. your submarine is another very key element. And there's lots of different pieces to your submarine that are represented by different tiles you slot in, depending <laughs> on how much you've uh, upgraded it. And you then get some number of cards that you get to choose between, and there are some ways that you can play extra cards. But basically, you're creating this line that's your sea experience, and you're cataloging a 
adorably drawn little animals. Yeah. And there's like a hammerhead shark with like a dapper top hat and a cane <laughs> and like a crab that was wearing a hook claw in one of his hands, like really, really cute stuff. And then you get points for how many animals you see, um, how many treasure trust you can de- deploy divers to. And there's a lot of strategy involving like when you deploy your divers mm-hmm. because you have to uh, decide when the best point in the game is. And there's like a lot of very valid different ways to win the game. Mm-hmm. So um, it's one of those, another great example of a game that's strategic enough for adults to enjoy it and simple enough for kids to pick up on it. Yeah. It's, it's tagged eight plus and it looked, the demo that I saw looks uh, super, super easy. It looks really fun, and you're right, depending on how you deploy your divers or how you deploy certain things as you build up your submarine or as you travel through the ocean on each of the different rounds, it sounds like it can be challenging as well. This is from um, Aiello, is -hmm. is the company. It says it's about 40 minutes to play, two to five players. It comes out, um, the pre-release was at Gen Con. You can buy it online starting on September 8th. That is definitely one that I think will find a way here into our house maybe as a family game night stuff it is a 40 dollars game a lot of little cool pieces and as you said sam the art is uh unbelievable yeah it was one of those games where we you know it was they were demoing it and i think they only wanted everyone to play like a few rounds and we sat down and played the whole game like the our table of six players because we were all having so much fun was there a lot of um was there a lot of open gaming space at the convention or just the uh gaming tables that were set up for the demos because that was one of the problems that brad had said last year was that he went to the show and there was no open gaming space everybody the space was all used up by vendors or you had to go, you know, as you said earlier, going to uh, bars or restaurants or whatever to play games. So, I mean, I have never had a problem with uh, a John Con with finding space to game. There are large rooms that are uh, run by various gaming companies. And so technically you're supposed to play like their games while you're playing there. And I did have some friends that said they got kicked out of the Mayfair room for playing to play a non Mayfair game oh, there. Right. Okay. But um, you know, there are so many hotels adjacent to the convention hall. There's so many different rooms that um, you know, we, whenever we wanted to find a gaming space, we never seemed to have an issue. And there's also a, uh, I, you know, I, I don't, I assume it was there this year. I didn't make it there at all, but there's typically a board games library where they have uh, mm. thousands and thousands and thousands of different board games. And you can uh, use some generic tickets to rent a board game for a certain amount of time and sit down and play it. Oh, that's cool. I like that idea. Uh, certainly that's what we do at Nerdtacular. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully, you know, uh, for those of you who are interested in Nerdtacular, be on the lookout because a formal date is coming up. Um, my guess is Nerdtacular 2017. It's right now tentatively the last week in June. And uh, certainly beyond just going out there and joining everyone on the Frog Pants Network and hanging out with them, um, Matthew Bach, who contributes uh, stuff to the website, he's been on our, our couple of our shows. He's a really super guy. He generally t- trucks out a ton of board games out to Nerdtacular and has uh, basically a whole room where he's just like, hey, play whatever you want. And uh, it's it's a lot of fun uh, to do that. Uh, Sam, what is what is probably the most favorite game that you played at the uh, at the show, uh, so I'd say Oceanus was my favorite, but uh, a second favorite would probably be uh, Seven Ronin, which oh, okay. is, uh, was put out by uh, Gray Fox Games. Um, I played. It's funny because my favorite game of the show last year was another game of theirs, uh, London Dread, which they were previewing, hmm. uh, and then did a full release this year, which was a really cool narrative horror game. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but this year Seven Ronin was their new game and it's a asymmetrical two-player game. Um, and it's really cool to find a good two-player competitive game that just works. Mm-hmm. And uh, the concept of this is that one player is the Seven Ronin and their job is to protect a town from 40 ninja. The other player is 40 Ninja. And so every turn you have like a little map of your town and your opponent has a little map of the town and you have a screen and the Ronin plays their Ronin and the Ninja plays their Ninja. And then you reveal where you've made your placements and then things happen depending on who's where. So uh, if like, say there's some Ronin who have special abilities, they can only happen if they are not in a square with Ninja. So Mm -hmm. there's the healer who can heal the other Ronin, which is super necessary because they're under a constant Ninja assault. Um, But he can only do it if he's not under attack personally. But whereas there's other Ronin that are just like big and tough and kill Ninjas and they want to actually be where the Ninja are. So it's this kind of double thinky game of, well, yeah, where are they going to go? Because they're also the ninjas want to occupy different territories in town so that they get special abilities, like mm, okay. getting more ninja or uh, injuring the Ronin. And so you have to try to outthink each other. Very cool. Now, so this, this, is on, sounds neat. this is on pre-order now. It's a two-player game. It says 15 to 30 minutes pre-order now for twenty nine ninety nine. Is this something that you will be pre-ordering, Sam? Uh, I think so. It's, you know, I I sat down and played it with my husband and it's always really nice to have a kind of quick game that we can play together, uh, Mm -hmm. especially if we're like setting up for a larger game day when other people are uh, uh, coming and we want to have something to do in the meantime. Yeah. Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. I I still I'm looking at Oceanus again. It's just like, yeah, this game looks like (laughs) a lot of fun. Yeah, it was great. And then, of course, the Kraken. I would have brought it home if they hadn't sold that before I had a chance. Yeah, it's real funny because the Kraken grows on each round or something like that. So it starts out as – or no, up on the first level, it starts out as a little squidling little thing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then as as you go deeper and down into the game, it grows into a full-size Kraken. Nice. Which, uh, again, looks looks really cool. Yeah, I just like the uh, constructible sub thing. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I love the little slotting in different things for your sub. Like, Mm -hmm. there's the periscope that determines how many uh, cards you get each round. And I just love it starts off with a conventional submarine with one periscope. And eventually you can have three periscopes because that's better. <laughs> three nice. is always better than one, right? Uh, Castle of Blackthorn. What is this? Oh, uh, it's uh, Council of Blackthorn. Oh, Council and, of Blackthorn. Um, it's, it's a very – so it's a great northern game uh, plotted out, and it was it was just released to Gen Con. In fact, apparently I, I spoke to the developers. They said that they were panicking because their shipment came in so late. They were worried they Ooh. weren't going to be able to get it on the truck onto Gen Con. Oh, man. But um, – it was a very like reminiscent of if you like Game of Thrones, I think you'd like this game. Mm-hmm. Um, you're basically members of a the king's small council, all plotting for favor with the with the king and the the various forces in the realm. So that includes like favor with the guilds or with the nobles or with the military. And you take turns um, playing various cards that give you favor and other special abilities that you use to try to sabotage your uh, opponents. Um, my favorite mechanic of this by far was that um, every character gets treason 
uh, cards. And they're, you know, you never want these treason cards. I mean, there are various ways you could pass them on to others and mm. try to get rid of them. And when I was talking to the developers about it, I was like, so are they worth negative points at the end of the game? And they said, no, the person with the most points of treason cards at the end of the game is beheaded by the king and loses. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Which I just love. Uh, so many yeah. games, it's like so, sometimes people can get so far ahead <laughs> that you can feel like totally useless in the last few turns. Mm-hmm. And this oh, is man. just a way to kind of utterly uh avoid that problem did you did you see any first time uh companies there besides the uh wyvern gaming with their uh, deck building game did you see any like first timers there that were showing off anything exciting or or uh i believe aegis was a was another uh, first time game company that by uh green briar games oh okay um that was another kind of like labor of love originally self-published and now out in like a wider distribution and what is it Uh, about it was a really neat little game. It's basically about uh, fighting, and uh, the I think the, the designer described it as Voltron meets, meets Pokemon. Oh, uh, no. These like adorable little robots, and they each have their own special abilities, and each of them stands for a letter in Aegis. So it's like Assault is A, and I think G is Guardian, and S is Support, and they run around and do their own things, but eventually you want to fuse them all up into super robots because your opponent will also be fusing their robots into super robots. And it's a um, a tactical miniatures army building game. And so we played with some preset things, uh, but I could see like tons and tons of opportunities for customizability based on your strategies um, because you don't have to have each type of robot represented, uh, but really cute art, really cool, lots of diverse abilities, things that like, you know, do area of effect damage when they fuse up or things that heal each other or things that have really high long range or can shoot over terrain. So, you know, good for people who like that sort of thing, but a lot easier to get into to something as complicated as, say, Warhammer. Oh, yeah. The art is really kind of cute on this. I'm looking at their website. It looks like they were there last year as well, trying to just show off some real kind of early demo stuff. But you say yeah. there's a, they're planning a Kickstarter on this uh, coming yeah, up soon? Yeah, exactly. Okay. I kind of forgot about the Yeah, I have uh, actually followed them on Facebook, uh, just kind of waiting for the announcement of that Kickstarter, because, yes, uh, I've seen this before and was eager to get it and just been waiting for it to become available. So, yeah, thanks for bringing that back to my memory. Yeah, there's just so many games. I mean, it's just, I don't know when people have time to play all these all yes. these awesome games because I sit there and I and I watch the uh, different YouTube channels where they're showing stuff or or I see stuff that you guys are talking about uh, or somebody just passes something my way and I'm just like wow I wish I had time to play even half this stuff because man LARPing does sound pretty fun doesn't it I, mean, <laughs> it I was gonna is. and uh, Gen Con's a huge trade off it's you can choose like hanging out with your friends, playing games, sleep, eating, and you're going to trade off between some of those things. Yeah, yeah. So which one which one suffered for you? Was it sleeping or eating? It's always sleep. Yeah. <laughs> what nice. what what's the average uh, time that that you went to bed each night? Oh, I mean, I got to bed at fairly reasonable times, but I was also getting up early because ah, I always okay. wanted to be totally ready to go to the hall by the time it opened at 10 a.m., so <laughs> Excellent. Um, but yeah, I mean, the it's not Gen Con unless you went to bed at 3 a.m. at least once. Yeah, yeah. Did you follow the 421 rule? 421? <laughs> I've always heard you need to follow the 421 rule if you go to Gen Con. You need uh, to make sure to get at least four hours of sleep, two meals a day, and one shower every day. Because <laughs> apparently there's been issues of people not doing such. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, definitely there's there's 
lots of people who don't do one of those things. <laughs> what Was there anything that you were really disappointed about? I mean, like you said, you've been going for six years now. Was there anything that was disappointing that you were expecting to have changed from previous years or something that the convention didn't do that they had done in previous years? Uh, that's a good question. And, you know, honestly, nothing I can think of. It was a, it was a really good con for me this year. Um, the one thing that has really improved over the years as I've gone to Gen Con is actually food trucks. Oh, good. Um, the innovate, when I first started going to Gen Con, those weren't a thing. And so trying to get your food in, um, was always a nightmare because every restaurant anywhere near the convention center was utterly packed mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. But now there are these food trucks that's up, um, all basically all day, every day of the con. And so you can go rush, grab a meal that's relatively affordable and relatively good and uh, then get back to your important stuff of gaming. 75,000 people. Is the convention starting to run out of space? (laughs) Oh, it's ran out of space long ago. Uh, I I looked today Mm -hmm. to try to book my hotel for next year and there is no availability availability within uh, like a mile of the hotel. Wow. Don't they hold those off? A mile of the convention center. I thought they really held those off until a specific day when. So they do. They do this thing called the Gen Con housing lottery, and uh-huh. it is also a nightmare. Yeah, I remember <laughs> trying I mean, to do that like three years ago, just before I was laid off from NEW. Right. And yes, <laughs> two years in a row, I tried to go to Gen Con and wasn't able to. Yeah. Well, now so you have I... no excuse for next year, Brian. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> well, got. Well, nerdtacular. We'll see when that is. No, you, you guys should definitely come. I, I think like it's a it's a great great time. Have you have either of you ever been? No, nope. I have. I have not. Rob has gone. Zach has gone. Rodrigo, I don't think has gone. Yeah. Although he's close enough to those have two gone. years. I tried to go. Rob went. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that punk. Um, yeah, I was really jealous that Zach went that year <laughs> because it's like Zach, you're going. Um, but Matthew hasn't gone. I think Matthew Bach has gone. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, I'd, I'd like to go to that uh, just sometime just to experience it. Although I'm afraid I'd be too inundated with too much to do. Where's yeah, my time? You know, that kind of stuff. Kind of see that. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the best thing I could recommend for your first time going to the con is make no plans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I tend to not do that. Cause yeah, they, like they you, don't have, they don't have panels or anything at, at Gen Con, do they? Oh no, they definitely do. Actually. Oh, okay. They have uh, panels every year for, you know, game designers and, and reviewers and, uh, you know, people, they have panels on running games, mm. on developing games, on mm. publishing games. So. Ken and Rob could be probably a, talked about Well, stuff I was going to say, are they, are they ever there at the at Yeah, show? they usually have a live Q&A there. I wonder if anybody would be interested in Gen Con of us doing a critical hit panel. <laughs> I we'll see. Not, I mean, they do a uh, industry experts uh, invites every year, and they have like, you know, like I said, game reviewers and developers. And I, I would not be surprised at all if, uh, if you reached out to them as a representative of major spoilers or of critical hit. And they gave us a, a spot. Yeah. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Well, we will see. Really cool. I think we've kind of gone through everything on our list, Sam. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on since you were, since you were there? Uh, you know, one other game that I, I played that I really liked was called uh, seven wonders pantheon. Mm, uh, seven okay. wonders dual pantheon. Sorry. It's a, um, so I don't know if have either of you played seven wonders. I'm familiar with the game. Nope. I haven't played it. Well, it's a, a really neat game, uh, also produced by Asmodee, uh, and it is uh, normally meant to be a very large player game, Seven Wonders, mm-hmm. uh, 
sees typically seven players and duel is their miniature version of it where they have, it's a, it's a two player game. And so this was actually new to me, even though the, the duel game came out last year and what I played this year was duel with a expansion that hasn't been released yet, but will be a uh, fourth quarter of 2016 called Pantheon, where in addition to building these great wonders of the ancient world, you're also courting the favor of uh, various ancient gods. Mm. So you have to like get favors from, you know, Ares and Poseidon, but also like Baal and uh, I'm trying to think there were a few other like Phoenician gods and uh, <laughs> Norse gods and things like that. Uh, so it's uh, a competitive game two player. Again, something that is nice for, for me to find in uh, a game that works with that small scale, especially considering mm-hmm. that it's a scaled back version of such a large scale game. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, that sounds cool. Brian, did you have anything else that you wanted to mention that you thought uh, about? I was just curious on, uh, was the lack of an official Dungeons & Dragons presence, did that really seem to impact anything? <laughs> or I mean, it's just kind of amazing to me the degree to which Paizo has mm-hmm. taken over the presence that uh, Wizards of the Coast and D&D used to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, the I, I went to the Paizo room this year, and it, it was massive there were oops they had they had a special this was so brilliant a pathfinder academy to teach little kids how to play pathfinder oh cool now that is awesome yeah that is so smart the con is super kid friendly you see oh man we've had terrible connection tonight Oh, I have a terrible connection? No, I said I think we have a terrible connection tonight. Just, yeah. Oh. yeah, you might repeat that last bit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sure. So uh, the con is always really kid-friendly. You see lots of kids running around with their parents in, in mm-hmm. costumes, sometimes matching nice. costumes. Very cute. <laughs> and, um, but they always have special areas set aside for kids. And mine said that she played in a game that was run by a 10-year-old. Oh, neat. Oh. Neat. Um, That's it's, wonderful. Well, I know Brad has has taken a lot of Brad's taken his family uh, mm-hmm. last year and says it's a lot of fun and everything. But uh, yes. yeah, I think um, I think that uh, sounds like a great convention this year. Uh, maybe next year we will try to pencil it in and see. Do you know the date for next year, Sam? Oh, I you know I just looked it up today. I believe it is going to be August seventeenth through twentieth of oh, next year. Oh, boo! That's it's... the worst time because that's when school starts back. Oh, up. okay. Oh. So, oh well, maybe we'll maybe we'll figure something out. I'll talk to the wife. That'll be nice to her. I don't know if we can make two conventions though in one year. Yeah, that's the big. Yeah. Issue. All right, uh, Sam. Thanks so much for uh, stopping in for Munchkin Land this week. It's so valuable and so nice to have you on the show. Where? Well, thank you so much for having me. Where can people find more of your stuff? For uh, the V Club, and I do an annual, uh, they call it, it, their game section is called Gameological, and they call it Gameological at Large is uh, the name of the story. And so it's when we go out and visit cons and the things like that. So I believe August 24th uh, is when you're going to have a, a whole write-up of all the games that I played uh, that you can take a look at, and it'll have a nice condensed list for your shopping pleasures all as right. the, these come out. And and I think you got cut off. That's over at the AV Club, correct? And that should be dropping around August 24th. Excellent. And they can follow you on Twitter if anyone cares to follow you on Twitter. Yep. At at Samantha Nelson one. And uh, Brian, uh, thank you so much for being here once again. Mm -hmm. Uh, Where can people find you if they want to find more (laughs) about you? Well, they can find me on Twitter at DND Brian, letter D, letter N, letter D, B R I N. Uh, You can also find I. I. Okay. As in India. Uh, 
You can also find me at uh, Tumblr at iceberg256.tumblr.com. Uh, yeah, that's generally it. You can find me on Facebook if you look for it. You're going to have to just find that on your own if you really want to find me there. There you go. <laughs> All right, Brian, Sam, thank you so much. And listeners, thank you so much. And uh, if you found some enjoyment in this and you want to see us to create some additional programming for you in the future, uh, maybe play some more of these games, we'd appreciate it if you supported us on a Patreon, patreon.com slash major spoilers. Uh, you can sign up for as little or as much as you want. And there's a bunch of rewards that come with your um, your patronage. So we thank everyone for that. And uh, until next time, remember, it's not cheating if you don't get caught. This podcast is copyright 2016 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.